every time you see revival, be it in scripture or true revival in, in modern history, it is a, uh, a rediscovering the word of God. Mm-hmm. It is through the word of God, a breaking of people that leads to repentance, mm-hmm. great sorrow. Because I'd be worried about your soul Why you still be doubting you got a soul Like you need to see to believe these things But you believe things that you've never seen Like feelings and hopes and dreams The future emotions and gravity And sadly, everything you're rejecting Makes this whole life a tragedy And I got something to say, I got something to say I got something to say to the world Welcome to the Milk and Me Podcast I'm Andrew and I have my brother with me How are you? Um, we're doing a Zoom version of this uh, He's in Ohio he actually shepherds a church there. Um, and we we figure that, you know, usually whenever we message each other, whenever we get a hold of each other, there's always some kind of a hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's in our own personal lives, ministries, or in our country, in the world. And right now, I don't know if it's still a hot topic. Is it still a hot topic? Um, The Osbury thing? Uh, yes and no. There's still okay. some infighting. On yeah. what was it? Yeah. So I guess we'll see. But uh, we thought, hey, you know, why don't we take a swing at it? Uh, let's see if we could talk about revival. Um, maybe what the Bible says about it, what history has said about it, and what we should believe about it or try to do with it. If we should try to do anything with it, uh, we'll just kind of dive into that. So I figured I had a few notes. Um, I have a basic definition of revival. So here's the Merriam-Webster definition. Uh, Revival is an act or instance of reviving, which I think is a terrible definition. You can't use the word in a definition, Um, Uh, but thankfully they get a little bit more, (laughs) they get a little bit more detailed. Um, The state of being revived there, they did it again, Uh, such as a renewed attention to or interest in something. Uh, or a new presentation or publication of something old, like a period of renewed religious interest or an often highly emotional evangelistic meeting or series of meetings. And the second definition is a restoration of force, validity, or effect, and then in parentheses as to a contract. Um, yeah, uh, I have one of my children just popped in. So of course it's after we start recording. Um, That's how it usually goes. That would be kind of the secular world's understanding of revival and what the impacts of it is within the church kind of has, they can try to explain it through human reason and understanding. I like, I like the definition that, uh, the biblical theme understanding of it. What is what is revival? It's the sovereign activity of God, whereby He renews His people individually and corporately, um, in vigor affecting both sincerity of belief and the quality of behavior. I love that definition because that is the most succinct um, way to put what revival actually is. Um, for me. It, it transcends just the uh, what is seen, and it goes into the yeah. the things that are not seen. No, uh, that what's definition. really going on behind the scenes? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I think um, I think Piper Piper was saying something along along the lines of it's a sovereign work of God, where the people, whether it's a collective, huge summer people, the people have been lifted out of the worldliness 
and undo godliness, something along those lines. And I get that. In general, generally speaking, yes, it's when the church, uh, by the grace and sovereign work of God, is woken up out of their sloth or their complacency. Um, yeah. Because revival really doesn't, it's really not, it has an evangelistic aspect to it, but it's it's really not directly relating to um, new people coming to salvation. It's actually the church waking up and getting busy. Um, it'll be I'm gonna, revived. I'm going to pause real quick. I have to address a child. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I love being a dad. It's so fun. Yeah. Like the 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 little hurdles of of children that they're so insurmountable. You're like, that's your problem. Like, <laughs> my my kids have have taken to falling asleep to sounds of trains. They love this. They love trains. And I left my iPad at work today, and that's usually what he listens to train sounds on. He's I don't have my trains, and I can't go to sleep. <laughs> oh man. Oh, and those um, are the biggest <laughs> issues. Those are the good times. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, revival is, uh, it's one of those funny things. Um, we've, we've tried to define it and redefine it. Um, but you know, you look historically, we've had, you know, several key moments throughout history within, you know, Western, um, civilization and, and the evangelical church and, um, and different points that has, kind of structured how society was built and how it progressed in that time period um, based on some sort of revival. And there's different reasons and different explanations of, uh, of, of different revivals that, that people have called revival, but I, some of them, I don't, I don't think I would, I would label it as a, a revival of God. It would be a reviving in the sense of um, the secularists understanding of reviving um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like renewed vigor, or hyper emotional response to circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, like you said, you know, revival isn't something that uh, the world can do. And and building a, you know, a whole concept of revival for non-believers is kind of a moot point. You know, yeah. That's an, that's only something God does and can do. Um. Um, I don't. I don't know where you are in your notes for uh, how you are thinking of breaking this down timeline wise, but I got a couple of quotes here that um, that I thought could kind of help direct our purposes for why we we need to tackle this subject, especially in this day and age. I feel um, the, the the church has kind of been hijacked in in a sense by hyper emotionalism over the last several decades, uh, if not the last hundred years. Um, but Burke Parsons in, in an article titled true reformation, he says this, he says, when God brings revival, he always brings deep and convicting repentance that leads to a life of faith, repentance and obedience. Um, and I, I love that because that's kind of, uh, a litmus test to see, mm-hmm. um, I grew up in, in in a church that did revival meetings every summer. We would go listen to a revival evangelist every summer. There was just some new guy coming, uh, and and it seemed like nothing ever really changed. Like people would be emotionally stirred for a couple of weeks, if you know, if if up to a month, 
but then it would just be back to business as usual. And it's like, yeah. if you as the Christian needs um, a revival every so many months, a revival to what, you know, into what, if, mm. if, if, if that's, if that's God and he, he, he needs to, you know, change out your batteries every six months, that's not a very sovereign or a very sustaining God in my, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he highlights um, it is, you know, it, it brings, it leads to, a life of faith. It leads to a life of repentance and obedience. You know, it's, it's something that that this idea of revival leads to something. It it is always being led. And then, um, Jonathan Edwards, he has this book. It's, uh, on Christian affections and I encourage everyone to read it Mm -hmm. because he addresses the, the difference between the affections of one who is in Christ versus the emotions of one who feels things about Christ. Mm-hmm. And he, he kind of picks that apart, but he talks about um, uh, what he calls a gracious attitude that loves God for who he is and himself. You know, it's yeah. that graciousness to God that loves God for being God, you know, not, not because, what God has done for us. That's not what inspires the love that we have for God. It is who God is in and of, of himself, you know? Yeah. Um, and John says, we, we love because he first loved us and it's a love reciprocating love. It, there's nothing about, well, I love God because he saved me when I was a little kid from drowning in a river, you know, or I prayed for my mom to be cured of cancer. And my mom was, you know, because that mentality leads the one to say, well, God didn't save my mom from cancer. Yeah. Therefore, so I, I hate anything, God. So I don't have anything to love him for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of uh, kind of seeing that as um, meditating on God's character and, and delighting in his ways is where one finds themselves in the post revival as, as an individual, you know, that life that leads to repentance and obedience and faith is one. We find ourselves, you know, meditating and delighting in God for being God, like seeing the beauty of his holiness, seeing his justice as something that's glorious, um, seeing all those things, uh, his attributes, as something that is something amazing, you know, yeah. and then that, that, you know, that leads you down the, the road of understanding, you know, I might not fully understand everything that is of God and, but I'm still going to love him in that, you know, I'm going to trust him in that uh, versus saying, well, I would never, I would never serve a God who would do da, 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 you know? And you hear that a lot these days. I can't, I can't serve a God who would tell slaves to stay with their slave masters. Mm-hmm. What? If it's God, it's God. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if 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 the God that does that you don't agree with is God, and you are so arrogant to say that I don't like what God is doing, therefore I'm going to rebel. <laughs> like, do you understand that he he's God and he has the ability to just snuff you out in an instant with no second thought? He has that power, but in his grace and his mercy, he allows us to blaspheme him and he allows us to war against him. And, and it, it's, I, I think that over the last, you know, 100, 150 years, we've, we've, 
I've been so focused on the emotional aspects of Christianity that it has enabled us to build such false converts who don't understand how to approach a holy God or, or understand how to handle his word or study uh, it in, in, a, in a clear, concise manner. Um, but I feel like the conversation of revival today is very important because it's a, they, it's a redefinition of terms in recent history of what re- true revival means. Um, does he, do you have anything to add to that before we get into the next kind of thing? No, I think we're ready to move on. All right. Um, I mean, uh, as far as pointing to the, the need to, to get to the actual truth of God rather than just the personal experience as being the validating factor of everything. Um, I think we're going to keep resurfacing that throughout the discussion. Um, just the idea of how uh, you mentioned one of the last things was the emotion-centered aspect to people's experience and their need for it to have that. That's like what I came out of with Pentecostalism, apostolicism. Um, it's all about emotion. That's mm-hmm. why the preacher the preacher has to sweat, basically. He's got to be sweating while he's preaching or else he's not emotional enough. Uh, yeah. He's got to be yelling. He's got to be doing that. Like that. That's always the apparent sign of someone really being like in the spirit of God as they would understand it. It's like, not so that you preach just calmly and, and just well, um, and have the word of God pierce people's hearts and minds. Who was it? Um, who was it that intended on purpose? Who was so afraid of people being emotionalistic or hyper emotional? Who was it that chose to preach? Was it Edwards? Was it Edwards? Um, it's either Edwards. There's some. Um, I gotta check and see. They willingly chose to preach in the most monotone fashion that they could because they were fearful that their emotionalism might gather others to follow suit, and they wanted so badly for God's word to pierce it correctly without the preachers instigating emotions you know um, i i think it was edwards i think it was edwards so if you apparently there's 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 uh literature which gives evidence that edwards preaching was not all that fancy on the outside it wasn't that he was like hooting hollering he was actually like super clear and super straightforward um nothing fancy nothing out of the ordinary but what he said and how how he clarified it was the power behind it. And it's just incredible to think that that's the comparison to today's preachers. Oh my I mean, goodness. Yeah. And when you can, when you think about it, it's like, what, what are people really relying on that their own, you know, emotionalism is going to gather others to kind of join in. And I get it. I get that aspect, but that's really just like a world's e- effort or approach to getting a response, kind of mm-hmm. rile them up. God never, never commands us to rile people up in that way. He commands us to be clear and faithful in what we preach, uh, to preach the gospel, uh, to live it out, and to to be hard on sin, and to be big on grace. Like all of it, as long as it's all rightly managed and rightly, um, let's say, weighed out, you're not yeah. like not you're not avoiding the wrath of God when you preach the grace, but you're combining it correctly, uh, really talking about the sacrifice and the cross the punishment and the grace um i just i, I we, like we don't i see like that. to say 
um, grace coupled with truth. It's yeah. I, I use the analogy. Have you ever um, had, I worked at McDonald's when I was in high school and there was, you know, you'd, you'd either be out of CO2 for the fountain drinks or you'd be out of this, the, the soda, the, 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 the syrup. Mm-hmm. And if any of that was off, it would either be so sweet, it's not good, or it'd be so bitter, it's not good. And so it's, you can, to me, the truth is the bitterness, you know, because that's a hard truth. It's very yeah. bitter to the one who's not able to receive it. And then the grace is so sweet because it's undeserving. But if you don't have it, you know, proportionately measured and, and delivered correctly, it's not received. Mm-hmm. Um and so as, as pastors, I, Martin Lloyd-Jones and his book, Preachers and Preaching, wonderful book for anyone who's, who's ever taken on the, the role of, of, of preaching to anyone. I encourage everyone to read it. But he says that um, there's, there's two things behind each, each message that the preacher preaches. It is the content of the sermon and is the preaching of the sermon, um, understanding that the content must be um, – diligently uh, studied upon it must be you know taking great care that it is correct it is truthful it is the word of god excuse me but then the second thing is understanding the preaching you know not lending oneself to um to be overemphasizing certain things or mm-hmm. Uh, under-emphasizing other things, just, um, and you you look at modern preachers, I mean, good night. You've got, you know, people like Andy Stanley, Uh who can take a verse from scripture that to him is not, not important really. uh, And preaching an entire eight month series on two verses. I'm like, that's astronomically stupid. Are you kidding me? There's so much that's missing and it's all, uh, driven around this emotional response to how how can I stir them up in in this, um, and and it's led himself to. I'm not saying he was um, always this heretical in his style because I'm I'm sure this if you go back far enough and you get, you connect him to his dad, you know, say what you want about Charles Stanley, but um, but I feel like the further he's gone down this path, it's almost like he's drinking his own Kool-Aid for too long. He doesn't even understand. And that's where we see him at now. He's saying this stuff that is so out of left field from somebody who was supposed to be a Christian minister. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's, it's so critical for us to understand um, for me as a pastor, I, you say shepherd. I like to call myself the under shepherd because you know I am under mm-hmm. the authority of Christ. He is the shepherd. He is the one, and I'm been I've been given care of his flock for a, a period of time. And so my focus is primarily on tending his flock with his words. Like I have no authority. I have no understanding in this beyond what has been given to me by my master. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so it is with great care that I am diligent in how I, and I present the word. And sometimes it is exciting. Sometimes, you know, I'll be, I'll be going through um, a section, like we're, we're going through the gospel of John right now, verse by verse. And we are um, getting to the point, uh, John 17, where Jesus is praying, you know, that, that, that priestly, high priestly prayer. And it is, it's such an emotional thing when you see Christ and he's laying bare um, his essence of in uh, his nature, you know, praying for his his himself and then for the disciples and and then for the church. And you see that and you're just like, man, I just 
it recalibrates me. And yeah, I am emotionally stirred by that. But it's my affections for what the true nature of Christ is that is drawing me into that. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's moments where I will get emotional while preaching, but that's not my my driver. It's not my focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we spend too much time kind of stirring the pot in that. And uh, and you can go back and, you know, I've got the the historical notes of the, the great revivals uh, throughout history. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the whole emotionalism, you get that in the second great awakening that took place in the you know, early to mid uh, 19th century, which from there, you know, you get the emotional uh, response to the world seeing, yeah, the world's morally corrupt. Anyone, anyone with eyes can see that. I mean, Paul tells us that the, the that the proof, the, the law is written on our hearts there. We're without excuse as, as we go because of sin. And so everyone knows that, and it's easy to look around and say, yeah, this world's gone to crap. And, and and you look at that, and then it was out of that, you have prohibition. Out of that, you have people trying to redeem the world through legislation, like, yeah. you know, yeah, um, and, and there, there was a, a strong desire there for, for Jesus to come back so that we didn't have to deal with how bad the world was. I mean, does that sound familiar to what you've been hearing? You know, it's very much very similar to what we are. And and you see a lot of heretical uh, cults, cult groups, you know, coming off of this uh, movement. And it leads itself into the Azusa Street. um, Yeah, so you had Mormonism, you had Jehovah Witnesses, and then Pentecostalism. So it all all just flowed. Yeah, which if you look at the first Great Awakening, as, as we were talking in a little bit beforehand, the second is in stark contrast to the first. Mm-hmm. The first was out was was all about the saints. It was about revival of the saints, you know, bringing the church back under the true uh, lordship of Christ, uh, bringing proper focus. And you know that was you know about a hundred years before the second Great Awakening. And you have people like John Edwards. You got uh, Whitfield and the Wesley mm-hmm. brothers, and um, and and you look at. In that movement, you have Jonathan Edwards preaching probably one of the most um, damning sermons for mm-hmm. for 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 lazy Christians, or mm-hmm. as uh, the the Pentecostals will say, the carnal Christians or or the holiness people, the um, which they don't exist. But it, you have Jonathan Edwards preaching, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Do you think people would be ready to receive that message? And it is in that spirit of Edwards and, and that 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 type of preaching that brings revival to the church. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing, it's a needed thing. But yeah, I didn't want to kind of got it rambling there for, for a second. But no, you're good. I mean, you're you're just uh you're touching on it. That's that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to lead to the fact that, you know. A true revival isn't about, okay, I'm going to just say this. A true revival is not about singing songs for 17 days straight. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not. Now, it's I'm not, not no. sa- that's not immediately disqualifying the fact that there are truly and were truly, I'm pretty sure they, it ended, it ended, right? They ended the Asbury yeah, thing. They stopped it so that they can go watch the movie. No, I'm kidding. 
That's a shot <laughs> Je- across the bat. Jesus revolution. <laughs> no, um, I want to see it so that I can rightly critique it. Um, but the Asbury revival had real Christians there. Oh, yeah. And just I like actually... in, yeah, and just like in any circle, you're gonna have a mixture of real fake, the ones that look real that are fake, the ones that don't look like they're serious that actually are saved. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, it was ninety if not 95% singing. And that's just not it. Um, that yeah. doesn't, um, and it's it, just not a revival. I am a musician. I love music. Music is just, it just, mm, it expresses things in me that just, yeah. I, I respond well um, to music. Um, and so, when I when I handle the idea of worship music, because it's just an aspect of our worship, it isn't the yeah. worship. Um, it is, and I've expressed this to you before, and I've often said this to to, to people, and they they're kind of taken aback by it. But, but music isn't worship; mm-hmm. it is a a result of our worship. Mm-hmm. It is a, a a sound of our worship. Um, it's an avenue for it. Yeah, it, worship is it's a medium. Yes. Um it is a, a way by which we uh exalt Christ as we exalt God, uh the Father in heaven and we we glorify him. We do that by reading the word and singing the word and teaching the word and examining the word and and preaching the word. We the, everything that we do in our worship is about the word. It's about God. It's about Christ. It's about um, that. And so one of those ways that we do that is by singing the word. Mm-hmm. But you look at a lot of these um, charismatics and these hyper um, Pentecostals, the songs that they're, they're, they're singing are so devoid of the word. The in they they use uh, Christianese as I like to call it uh, <laughs> terminology that that sounds nice and can stir emotions and is very um, manipulation manipulative of that, um, but it's it's devoid of any true meaning and and from what I from what I had seen now um, I grew up in a holiness Wesleyan holiness church and. The church I grew up in, they call themselves non-denominational, but they're a denomination. They they're structured, they're organized as much as a, a denomination, apart from being you know like a Presbyterian type of model, mm-hmm. um, independently, congregationally run. But we had to network, you know. We had a we had a university, and this Asbury was the sister university of the the church that I grew up in. And it's a Wesleyan holiness church, um, which that comes out of the um, the Second Great Awakening, the Finneists, the Azusa Street Pentecostals um, it were direct. Um, that Wesleyan holiness is a direct descendant from that thinking, that hyper emotionalism. And so I knew that going in. And so I was already, I was already biased. I was based before I even started watching any of the videos. Um, but one of the things I do know and I do recognize, 
kind of as a disclaimer before we go further into what what took place there, I was saved in that. I know many great godly men and women who were saved in that. I have a very good friend of mine, and we joke about it today, but he got saved watching Joel Olstein preach on a TV. You know, mm-hmm. God used yeah. a donkey. You know, God's going to do what God's going to do. Um, you look at how Augustine was was converted. Um, he heard little kids singing, you know, in the fourth century, uh, take and read. And he went and found a lectern that had a, a Bible attached to it and started reading in Romans. You know, it wasn't anything. It wasn't because of someone's preaching. It's because God called him into himself. You know, it's so God does and, and will use any means necessary to that he is ordained and, and decreed to see his will um, put to purpose. That being said, um, from what I saw, from many of the, the videos and the testimonies coming out of it, dude, it was all a farce. I'm not saying that there weren't people that, that weren't, I'm not saying that people weren't truly saved there because God does and will do whatever he's going to do. But from what I can tell, calling it a revival is just like calling um, the, the Ford Mustang Mach-E a Mustang. It's not it's not a Mustang, you know, if you're, you're a car person, it's not just you can put a name on it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's not that it's not it's not what it was uh, in, inclined to be. Um, it was very heavily centered on um, hyper spiritual things. Mm-hmm. They were casting out demons. There was uh, miraculous healings. There was all this stuff. And, and what was what I thought was the most interesting is that you had people because uh, uh, Wilmore, Kentucky is not that far from here, from where I live in Ohio, just a couple hours. Um, I've, I've actually been in that area, of Kentucky, several times in my life. I found it so interesting that you had Christians, church folk, pastors, lay people in the church, deacons driving, descending upon this college university for the sole purpose of seeing what they're doing so they can repackage it, take it home, and do what they're doing back home at our church. Um, And then the other thing I thought was interesting, we have another uh, somewhat famous or or more popular Christian university, Cedarville University, right down the road from me here. And I thought it was interesting because – they were posting things on like revivals broken out here too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I went to Cedarville for a semester. Um, and it was every, every anyone who's ever been to a, a Christian university, you have chapel and you look at the, the picture that they posted was in the middle of chapel where all, you know, however many students on campus, thousand plus on campus have to go to chapel. It's a required, it's mandatory. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this isn't revival. This you're just in chapel. You're in class. Essentially you're, you're in school, mm-hmm. like, but I ain't going to be outdone by those, those, that Christian university. Um, and then there's, I don't know. I just, the response that I saw in the evangelical world, was just so it was, it was saddening for me as a yeah because, I think, uh, uh, let me let me uh let me pull up this video real quick it, it's super brief but um 
think it also goes off the same premise. So let me just share my screen real quick. See if I don't butcher this. All right, we shared. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So I'm gonna play play this real quick. If you look at what the Bible says about revival, I mean, the word revival means like bringing something back to life, reviving someone. Picture someone who's had a heart attack and they're laying there dead. You get out the, um, I almost said jumper cables. I know that's not the right term, but the, it'll work. The, 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 the panels that shock the heart and you, the person is revived. They're right. back to life. Um, that sort of things is happening at Asbury. You do not have to be there at that specific location to experience it. If you pour out your heart in worship, that if you repent from any sins that you are currently engaged in, if you truly seek the Lord, he will perform a work in your heart, on your mind, in your life, no matter where you are. So this idea that there's like a special anointing right now at Asbury, and I've got to go there in order to get it and then bring it with me so I can have the same thing at my campus. It's like, maybe you can go there and learn just by observing, seeing what's doing, but it's not like a move of God like this can't just be replicated just by having your presence there and then transferring your presence to somewhere else. So what I, that, that's, um, I'm not sharing my screen anymore. Am I? No, it's clear. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to have this whole entire video and it's just going to be that end screen. Um, that, that was jumping off the idea when you said, you know, go there. That's where it's at. People are trying to replicate it. Uh, that's, that's the, one of the leading heads of the ministry from GodQuestions.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a really solid job, uh, predominantly from what I've seen, at answering questions or leading you to some good resources. And what what he was responding with is in a little, I think it was like a 20-minute or 10-minute YouTube episode, um, what's happening at Osbury and should they respond? Because people ask questions that godquestions.org like they literally just ask questions about faith christ Mm -hmm. life the bible and they do a really good job at really giving good solid thorough answers so you can at least find answers or look for them in a good place and he was basically responding to the fact that there was there were people that were like traveling so far just to get there like you said so they can see what's happening and then go and promote it in their own local assembly or whatever and again that comes off the premise that um, God's there and he's not anywhere else. Generally, when I hear someone say, God's doing something here and this is the only place he's doing it in, I kind of get that idea from what Jesus said, like, hey, he didn't <laughs> say like that, but he said, if someone says Christ is here or he says Christ is there, don't go there. Um False teachers, all these things are going to take place in the end times, which is the time period between Christ's resurrection and the final day. So when when he was saying that, it's not just people that say, I am Jesus Christ and you need to come follow me. There are those people. There are those people. They're, they're in Russia. They're in Asia. They're here. Uh, there are they're in the Philippines. There are people that literally say they are Christ or the reestablishment of the spirit of uh, of Jesus here in flesh again. Um, it's not limited to that. That warning from Christ about the end times. What is it? Matthew thirteen. Yeah. Eighteen. Yeah. Hold on. Thirteen hold is on. the no. Thirteen is the seeds. Let me know when you pull it up. But it's not. It's not limited 
to people that actually walk around saying they are Jesus Christ. It's also to people that say this is the teaching of Jesus Christ. So every false teaching, every false teacher is basically uh, demonstrating or or presenting themselves as teachers after the name of Jesus Christ, teachers that are teaching Christ, teachers that are teaching the, the word of God. So they are representatives of Jesus Christ, or they're assuming themselves to be. And if they're teaching something false and saying, hey, something special is happening here, and this is the only place you can come get it, that's already usually instinctive to us. It should be that there's something that we should be cautious about at at least, because going to a convention is one thing. Going to a a a, a set of preachings is another thing. Like we got ShepCon going on. That would have been nice if we would have went. Oh my <laughs> but, gosh. But Next there's year. there's gatherings of preachers that get together to edify and kind of create this big event. That's one thing. When people are saying God is doing a special, unique, and um, one-of-a-kind thing right here, and this is like the powerhouse for it, you got to come and plug into this. It's like they're trying to recreate the temple from the Old Testament as if there's only one place to travel to get meet with God. Um, yeah. They're, um, they're already... They're already incorrect in their assumption of the the uniqueness of God's reach in those areas. That's how I see it. Yeah, it's that, you know, where two or three are gathered. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't want to know the real meaning behind that. Because it's if two or three brothers come to you with a grievance and they're yeah. ready to handle some discipline, guess what? Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's... I, 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 I love I love how I love how the hyper charismatic church or just mm -hmm. the biblically just ungrounded church. Uh, there's people that aren't even hyper charismatic, but they still misuse that. And I'm just like, it's really simple to to read the six verses before that and the four after. Like it's just really simple. Um, when two or more are gathered, that's that's talking about for discipline and for repentance. When they're gathered and they come and they unite together that they are going to repent and they're going to agree on this. And God is there bringing that relationship together, sorting it out, cleaning it up, uh, sanctifying it, uh, purging the evil from among them. God is there working in that midst. That is not you saying, all right, buddy, I want a Lambo. You want a Lambo? All right, let's both want a Lambo for me and let's pray about this. We are gathered and we agree. God's going to give it to us. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Now your turn. <laughs> you want a Lambo? I'm going to want it for you too. Like that's, that's not it. You don't tell God what you want and then just did he'll dish it out. Cause he's your, your, yeah. your, what is it? Your heavenly servant. Like that's not it. Um, so yeah, people have that idea. It's pretty messed up. Mm. If your intention isn't righteousness, Jesus, he tells then. You are, if you are not of me, if you're not for me, then you are against me. Who are those who are not of him? Are those who are not obeying his commands? You are not um, thirsting for righteousness. You aren't, um, I don't know. It's, it's easy for people to just write off like, oh yeah, well you're judging. Like, no, I, I am judging the fruits. And this is the same song and dance that this entire movement has uh, the fruit that it has bore over the last 150 years. And it's, it's destruction. Jesus says that if you're, you are not of my father, you are of your father, the, the devil, you know, and yeah. it's uh, every time you see revival, be it in scripture or true revival in, in modern history, it is a, 
rediscovering the word of God. Mm-hmm. It is through the word of God, a breaking of people that leads to repentance, mm-hmm. great sorrow. Um, you know, that the image of in Isaiah, when he is seeing the image, the glory of, of God, the vision of God as yeah. he's in the temple. And then Isaiah, he's a, he breaks him, <laughs> you know, he, he, behold, I am undone because he's been given a, a vision of the holiness of God. That's what the word of God is, is to, is to give us a revelation to reveal God to us. Yeah. And, and is the revealed God that, that, that undoes our humanity because we are, we are nothing before him. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's where revival begins and i think we've put so much focus on corporate revival or let's do this uh, in a sense of well i was part of this movement uh, that look what this movement did this movement saved these people and that's mm-hmm. you can almost take ownership in that without doing anything at all yeah uh, you know what i mean it's it's taking uh, the group mentality of well like for us when we were in the military we were Dude, HMH three sixty two. We were yeah. the best. We did it all. Um, but I was just there, there. There's a lot of moving parts that made us operate the way that we did. You know, I was fortunate enough to be in that group, but it was by nothing I did. I mm-hmm. mean, I was I was just a small part of that in that. But there was many people um, who did absolutely nothing to the cause who got the same to share in the same glory of what we were yeah. as the best. Marine Corps helicopter squadron in that's ever graced this earth. We were, you know? Yeah, we, we were the best. I still got the patch <laughs> and everything. Heck yeah. I still have the CO's coin. The poker yeah. chip. Heck yeah. <laughs> Sweet, dude. Uh, I got my stuff uh, over there, but you can't see because my yeah. camera's all gobbly good. I think you can see uh, right there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the I see angel. the coin. You see the yeah. ugly angel? Yeah. Right there. You can, can see, see a little bit of red, a little, a little yellow. A little glimpse. And since you know what the coin looks like, you know what it is. Um, but I, I I feel like the modern I say the church, but it's people who want to be the church, but aren't they're going to find themselves that they're not part. They went yeah. out from us because they were never of us, you know. Yeah. Um, that's what they have. That's what they have is like a. They've put such emphasis, fruit. yeah, on this thing of revival, and it's almost like it is it is taking place over salvation, mm-hmm. the individual. Uh, reviving of uh, of regeneration, you know, like the the whole doctrine of regeneration. It's but by the grace of God, he he does this work in us and revives us and regenerates us so that we have the ability to bring glory to Him, to yeah. to have faith in Him. Um, it's, it it starts with God. I think I think the concern, um, maybe maybe it's been voiced. I'm sure it's been voiced. But when when we identify something so quickly, when actually it's identified by what takes place after, we we kind of put the cart in front of the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, just give us some time. Um, even even people that come to saving faith. Well, they give, give it a month. <laughs> give it a month a... and see if they stick. See if they're becoming that fruit, that seed that fell among thorns, and see if later on it. And I'm not saying don't consider someone a Christian if they don't confess Christ, uh, if they confess Christ yet, but. But kind of, you know, work with them. Find out where they're at. If this is going to stick, 
really don't just like kick your hands off them and say, oh, you're Christian, you're good. The spirit of God has you gripped and you don't need anything else. Like, no, you need, you need a lot of help, a lot of work. You need a lot of community. You need a lot of learning, a lot of repentance. You need to grow and know the word. So when we say, oh, revival, cool, this has happened. This is legit. This is official. It's like, why? What made it official? The fact that it happened? Because bad things happen too. We we can't say, oh, this great revival took place until we see, have people actually um, been regenerated? Have people actually been woken up from their sloth? Have have believers actually turned away from the things that they, their beloved sins, you know, the cherished sins? Have, have, have things changed in these people's lives? Or did a lot of people just get together and have a good time? So I'm not discounting yeah. the fact that real people had individual personal convictions that took place, but a revival isn't talking about individuals. It's talking about this great big thing saying that everyone is being impacted by this. At the end of the day, my prayer is that, you know, that through this work, Christ is glorified. Yeah. Christ in some measure, in some, in some way is glorified. That is my prayer. And it was early on. That's why I didn't make any um, statements or any, because there was a lot of people that were real quick to jump on the, the, this is something of God. This is something not of God. And I'm just like, well, we can't say one way or, or another definitively yet. It's going to be, uh, you know, it could take, you know, a decade or two before we see the fruits of what was sown here in this, in this place. I truly believe that there are people who believe in Christ, and I, and I truly believe that there are people who believe that they are doing the work of building the kingdom here for Christ. In that, um, but I don't want. How do I say this in a way? I don't want this to be repackaged and sold off and marketed and peddled uh, by charlatans. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so often the case with these things. Um, that, yeah. That's my big fear with this Jesus Revolution movie. Um, did 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 God use this crazy hippie culture to redeem people? No, He used the Word of God in the midst of these things mm-hmm. to because it is the gospel that has the power into salvation. You know, it's a work yeah. of God through the Word that leads one to salvation. And it happens in the midst of all of these things. So God yeah. will do what God's going to do to to call home his people. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we have to also be mindful. Acts 16 talks about Paul yep. um, venturing Flip. unexpectedly into Philippi because he was trying to go to Asia and the spirit prevented him. Mm-hmm. And when he was there, a lot took place. Um, oh, man, but that's... one thing, but one thing that took place was a demon possessed woman who was like a fortune teller by the spirit of her demonic possession was proclaiming the actual truth of God, just in a, a not probably in an obnoxious way. And she was yeah. saying something along the lines of these men will show you, uh, how to, these men will show you, what was it? I want to, I want to behold, be... uh, well, you got yeah. one word. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Uh, I want to. I want to use the exact words that she used. Um, okay, it happened that as they were going, uh, Acts sixteen sixteen. By the way, it happened that as they were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us. 
So this is Luke writing, Metas, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. This was a woman possessed by devils. This was not a woman that was trying to preach Jesus and she had some some like uh some issues in her medical that identified her as demon possessed. This wasn't that. This was a woman who was speaking these words because of the demon inside of her. Demons will preach the gospel. People yeah. that are possessed by demons will preach the gospel. They'll do it in an erratic way. They'll say it in crazy ways. But there, there are going to be times, like even the demons among Jesus' ministry, they said they literally ran up to him and said, you are the son, the holy one of God. <laughs> and he would tell them, be quiet. <laughs> like, like they're going to speak the truth at times. Uh, just because someone is speaking even the accurate word of God. First off, does not mean that they are from God, because Jesus even said in Matthew 7, 23, you know, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, uh, will come and enter uh, heaven. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I've done many works in your name. I've preached the gospel, cast out demons. I go away. I never knew you. You never had the Holy Spirit. You never had my regenerating work in you. You were never mine. Go away, you workers of iniquity. So, just because somebody says something doesn't mean that they're of God. Second of all, God would probably use just about anything. He he could use a like you said, like a mule to to lead people in the right direction or to correct people. He can use whatever he chooses. Who knows? That woman from Acts 16, she made a she may have brought in the attention to Paul so people might more readily listen to what he had to say just by being as obnoxious as she was or saying, hey, these guys are going to show you how to get saved. Who knows if she was laughing when she said it? Who knows if she was being quirky and acting like she didn't believe it? Who knows if it was just like when Paul said, you know, even if some people preach out of out of spite and other people preach out of a sincere heart, who I'm just glad that people are preaching the gospel when he was imprisoned. So we know that God can use anything but that doesn't automatically put a stamp of approval on what some people are doing so we need to be mindful of that that's one thing to pay attention to god can use anything mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i really don't have a ton to add to that um it's just because somebody is quoting scripture doesn't mean that they are in the fold yeah simply because satan knows scripture better than anyone of us yeah and he clearly is not in the fold um and i know i know a lot of atheists who ha have taken it upon themselves to try to trip me up which means i've had to be even more studious and and actual know the word you know yeah. keep it ever you know bind it on your on your hearts so that yeah absolutely um and be be ready to give a defense a ready defense you know that apologia be able to stand uh on the word of god knowing um it so it's it's one of those things that's that's important to us to test everything yeah. we must test 
everything. It's something I, I try to remind my congregation every week. Do not take my word for it. Take the word of God. And with it you will do you will go you will not go wrong. Absolutely. If there's something you do not understand, question. If there's something you think that I've said wrong, question me. I encourage questions. I love I love 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 talking Bible. You know this. Um and any opportunity I have to just sit down and just discuss the word of God. I have so much joy uh in the word of God. Um and so because of that regard that I have is that affection I have for it. I'm hypersensitive to people misusing it and, and misusing yeah. the works of God for their personal gain or for their own personal favor. So, um, yeah. you know, the, the Berean approach, you know, they they're, they questioned Paul himself and he called him noble. You know? yeah. <laughs> like who questioned it is, Paul? It, yeah, it is noble to ask questions and to be inquisitive. It is noble to doubt, not for the sake of doubting, but to just wait to trust. Uh, now, again, that doesn't mean if God clearly in his word says something, we're talking about people that come and speak in the name of God, people that make statements about God. They weren't questioning the fact that um, God is who he says he is. They were questioning that this new revelation about Christ was actually in line with scripture. So, cause it wasn't written yet. Yeah, I don't know if you guys knew that, but Paul was not like going off a script. <laughs> he was going off the, he had the scrolls, he had Isaiah, he had Genesis, like he had the scrolls with him. He had the Old Testament, he was working off that as he was explaining the new that hasn't even been written yet until the letters started circulating. Um, I like to explain what the epistles are. The, the epistles are uh, Old Testament commentaries uh, in light of the New Covenant. In light of the New Covenant, yeah. Uh, and when you when you read Romans, Romans is the most succinct commentary on the the works of Christ in the Christian, mm -hmm. the righteousness of God in the Christian. That's Romans, and what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And then, um, you know, First and Second Corinthians again. It's here's what you're doing. This is what I told you to do. This is the authority in which you are to do these things that I have commanded you to do, you know, and, yeah. and then he gets to first Corinthians 15 and he's like, Hey, it, here's the gospel. You, you need a refresher. And I, I find it so funny that he's gone so long in that letter to remind the gospel, you know, is Christ crucified died to, to repentance of sins, uh, remission of sins. And, 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 and it's just very interesting how Paul handled the church um, yeah. and, and handled teaching the church. Um, and I, I almost see him just embracing the idea of people questioning. Cause he, you read how he, he writes and, and, and he, he answers questions as he's speaking and as he's teaching, what shall we say then? Shall we go on and sinning? <laughs> Surely yeah. not. You know, he, 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 he challenges himself. He's got a very, um, he has a healthy polemical, Style. Yes, yes. And, and it's yeah. almost like a, a lawyer giving a defense for what he's arguing for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's, 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 I mean, you look, he's an educated man and he, he's an educated man who has a gift for speaking to uneducated people. Mm -hmm. So he, he gives the teaching and he gives a teaching, he goes against what educated people might twist in his words. And, and it's, he, he, 
gets it on both fronts. I'm like, yeah. man, if preachers understood how to teach their congregants in such a manner, we wouldn't have people looking for Asbury. We wouldn't yeah. have people looking for the next emotional high or conference or convention or something to 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 put wind in their sails. You know, the gospel does that for us. The work of Christ does that for us. God breathing into us through the word of God does that for us in our homes, in our in our lives. Uh, as, as a husband, it is it is it is crucial for me to to live according to the scriptures so that I can be the best husband that I can mm-hmm. for my wife. So that I can be a best father to my children. And that's not me being the best. It is Christ through me. That's the yeah. best. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. And, it's, it's following his blueprint for everything life by, yeah. by the grace of his spirit and by the instruction of his word. And, I mean, if anybody wants a question, like, how do I be a better this, better that? And it's like, well, get familiar and real and sincere and honest and applicable with scripture as yeah. you have already and should be all on your way to putting your faith and trust in Christ as the key component of all your life. Um so yeah. yes, yes, there's there's no better way of saying, oh, how can I be a better employee? Oh, go listen to this TED Talk. Maybe it can give you some clues, but ultimately- Study the word of God. Yeah, if you like, can't I forgive will, and love pay, your boss. yeah, I will pay for you to have a Ligonier membership. You know, I will buy you Logos software. You know, hey, I will I will put give, it forward. I will you giving do those that. things out? You giving those things out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you if, just if said it. If, if that's what it will take, you know, that's what that's how serious it is. If you want to yeah. be, uh, if you want revived in your soul, if you as if you claim to be a Christian and you feel that you need revival, study the Word. Yeah, like get into your Bible, listen to solid preachers. I've got a laundry list for you. If you got yeah. questions, uh, Peter's stand, stand Washer, on the shoulders of uh, other Lawson, men. Yeah. You know, MacArthur, Sproul, Ferguson. I mean, we got this. We yeah. have the shoulders, and they're not. I mean, Sproul, uh, rest in peace. You know, that dude is, he is in the arms of a savior, you know, yeah. glorified, embraced, and he won. Yeah. He ran that race. He's, he's won that, uh, that, that victory. But most of them are still alive. You can yeah. find their stuff like on YouTube. They, they know how to utilize the technology, like the information is out there. Um, it's so, but I think here's the problem we have as man. And I know that we're kind of veering off into Tony's uh, rant time. Um, as we live in such a society and a culture that doesn't want to do the work. I mean, we're, we want other people to do that work for us. Mm -hmm. I don't want to read the book. I want the cliff notes. I don't want to study. I want you to tell me what it says. I don't want to take the time to learn this thing. I just want to go buy it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make my dinner. I just want to go to a fast food drive through That's the world we live in. And uh, when when we have enabled ourselves to not, you know, take the time to, to, to really understand how to be, we've, we've dumbed ourselves down. Like um, who was, I? I was listening to something from Doug Wilson earlier today and it was, it was dealing with, uh, education. Maybe it was that. I can't remember. It was it was somebody. I can't remember. I listened to people as I'm working. I was working on a bathroom floor today. Um, and they were talking about um, like reading a Civil War letter from a 17-year-old kid who was a farmer, uneducated, writing home about the events 
and and they were just reading this letter it just sounds like this this beautiful prose to it, it had such elegant uh writing and it's just this country bumpkin you know it's this dude he was uneducated and and the, the person who was reading it's like yeah you can see that there's there's like some spelling errors <laughs> but the way that that he was talking in that letter is just speech was so much diff- more different. Um, and, and like, we can't even talk to each other nowadays without having to put in an, uh, an emoji to, to make sure that we're not coming across as uh, a mean, mm-hmm. like we don't know how to talk to each other. That's how, how we have become. We're, we're dumbing ourselves down and we've done that with the word of God. I don't, I have more conversations with people uh, being stuck in the weeds, so to speak. And not being able to appreciate the the field, the beauty of mm-hmm. the field that's been created for us, or you know, getting lost in the woods and not seeing the forest, you know, through the trees. Yeah. And it's just like let's... I think that's why a lot of the <clears throat> popular false teachers of this day are are so like hip. And they're 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 getting on the level in the wrong way, with the wrong outcome of the society. Uh, the society just eats it up because it it tastes like what they love. It sounds like what they want to hear. It's just a bunch of ear tickling. Um, that's why they're they're just so like fashionable. A lot of the false preachers, um, they're so fancy in the way they dress. It's kind of oh, wild. Man. I ain't got that kind of money. <laughs> I don't I think they have. They they I don't have that kind. Of, I don't. I don't steal don't, them. Yeah, they don't have that kind of money because it's not for them to dress nice it's for them to be dressed but to you know minister but they're using it for themselves it kind of shows usually in the way they dressed but uh one thing i did want to uh, pull up just to give some insight on what somebody should be aiming for um if they do mm. consider hey what does it look like for a rival well let's look at revelation revelation chapter 2 verses 4 to 5 and we're going to go on to an- another few verses but this is the rebuke that uh that christ is giving to the different churches uh verse four to five says but i have this against you that you have left your first love therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else i'm coming to you and will will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent and this is this is him uh this is christ saying basically you've forsaken your commitments, you've forsaken and you are growing dull in the faith. Uh, you're just going through the motions. It's like heartless rituals. You're not, you're not living this out. You're, you're just, what are you doing? You've forgotten your first love. I mean, what does it look like to forget your first love? Just to be completely unconcerned with, with the things of God to be like, what would it look like for a man to, to have, or let me see what what would it look like for someone to say this person is not living for uh his, for his marriage like what would that even look like um i would say that it would look like someone that's not actively involved in the marriage they don't look like it at all it's just it just seems like it's really to easy to combine and connect those saying hey if you don't if you look like you have lost your first love or left it means you're abandoning those things 
and to abandon Christ and his will and his word, it looks like you're completely consumed with this world. So it most likely is complete worldliness. Verses 10 to 11 says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. He's speaking to different churches. I'm just skipping those parts just so we can get into this. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to come uh, to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And this, if anything, is pointing to the fact that persecution can lead to some sort of exhaustion, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual, not to give in to that exhaustion, but to remain steadfast and to continue going towards the hope because that persecution is absolutely going to do that. Anybody starts coming and tearing your spiritual life into pieces and and really targeting you for the faith, even if they don't say it's for the faith, if you're an active Christian and you're being like heavily laid upon in all sorts of circumstances and trials, this is the time for you not to give up, not to be dissuaded, not to be um, pushed out of your faithfulness. Verses 14 to 16, but I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who keep who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent, or else I'm coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, this is this is worldliness and compromise. This is as if God is explaining that they have people that are following other rituals, other things, I mean, it, acts of immorality, that's the reference there in verse 14. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're acting on things that are contrary to the Christian life. So they're allowing some kind of teaching, some kind of false teaching to grab its way into their heart and lead them in their convictions, lead them in their, in their practical application. Um, this is what they're being rebuked for. And these are all different churches, but it's just the rebuke that I've highlighted. Verses 20 to 23, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. And this is actually pointing to the fact that there are false teachers that are welcomed and supported and tolerated within that church or within different collections of the Christian community. And God does not play games with that. If you allow a false teacher to be supported and applauded and even even uh, in some way financially supported by your giving or or your toleration or your sharing of their information or you or you just amening what they're saying, you are bound to suffer for that in your own Christian life. 
God will not allow the fruit of their labor to actually benefit. Uh, false teachers, they are basically putting themselves in a position to, to get a target on them from the living God because they are opposing the living God and they're speaking against him. They are lying about his truth. They are lying about salvation, sanctification. They are lying about sin and everything. They're in God's target. So people that follow after them, that try to be fruitful by their teachings, uh, they're they're bound to suffer loss of all sorts of their ministries, of their lives even sometimes because of the wicked things that are being taught. So this was the church that was welcoming, in essence, the entirety of this false teacher or a group of false teachers, and they were being compared to Jezebel. So the group before that that was welcoming worldliness and and the false influences of the world they were being compared to to uh that false prophet who was uh trying to get Baal worship going and supporting all that so it's like i think it's really clear that if someone wants to know what does it mean to really fall in line with revival what does it mean to to walk with God? What does it mean to make corrections in their own steps, in their own posture before the living God? Take the warnings of Revelation. Uh, take the warnings of Scripture. Take the history of the Old Testament. Take the history of the New Testament. Look at what the first great awakening really brought about, the wonderful mm -hmm. results with, with Jonathan Edwards, uh, with uh, just all that really took place. Um, see what what you're willing to do. Are you actually responding and repenting toward the living God? Are you actually allowing him uh, submissively, basically, to rule over you, to take the primary authority in your life? Or are you still saying, mine, 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 and I want to add some Christianese to my life? No, like, are you actually taking the warnings that Christ here is giving in Revelation to John that he's going to snuff out some people's candlesticks, that he's going to come and bring punishment? Like, this is Jesus. This is this is what people don't think. They don't think Jesus Christ would ever punish. And here he is speaking, the spirit of the <laughs> Lord. I am Jesus. Like he said it to John, I'm going to do this. These great and horrible, tremendous acts of judgment. I'm going to do that. So this is him speaking. And we have to be mindful of that, that if we don't, we don't take God seriously, we're just going to get consumed by all the false things in this world. Uh, we're going to be looking for a good feel revival. But if it doesn't bring about the fruit, then what's the point? Who cares how you feel if you're still doing the wrong thing? You know, if you're still living in sin, it doesn't matter if you feel good. You just went to a church service, you feel good. Now you're just patting yourself on the back and you continue to live in sin, continue to live in complacency. That's not repentance. That's not a revival. So we have to see what are we doing with what we have so-called revivals going on. Hey, if they're from God, if God is really working and provoking these things, then you should be responding quickly, quickly, very quickly um, with repentant faith. But if somebody is not responding with that, then either one, this isn't a God-ordained thing, or two, you are completely uh, rebellious toward what God is doing, and that's just bad for you as a person. That's my two cents. Yeah. Um, everything, one of the most sobering things for me is when I started you know unpacking what's what jesus said mm -hmm. um and there's several things that he actually said that we for some reason i know the reason now yeah but for fear of people won't, won't like that so i'm yeah. not going to say that you know matthew 10 
34. Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father and daughter, against their mother and daughter-in-law, against their mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Yeah. Whoever loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross, follow me, is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. We see that. We know we recognize those last uh, few yeah. verses there, 38 and 39. But we don't know the context in which Jesus is saying such things. Um, and, and that spirit and revelation is people... For the sake of the goats, literally, they're sacrificing the sheep. They, yeah. for the sake of some sort of universal unity, they're <laughs> they're they're placating to the world, and they're making yeah. friends with the world. And we know what what Jesus says about that in John is, <laughs> um, "The world will hate you because it hates me, and if you if the world uh, you know doesn't hate you, then you don't love me." It's very, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where I can't spend too much time kind of harboring that message and staying, you know, true and faithful uh, to the word as I am going through my life and being, you know, charged as the steward of my congregation. And, and I think things like this Asbury revival is, is there was there was a lot on there where they were having people who are LGBTQAI people who weren't condemned for their, their, their sinful lifestyle and called into repentance. Um, and they're at a, 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 a school that's, that some, you know, call it a seminary. It's a Christian university. Mm -hmm. It's like a prerequisite that you, you consider yourself to be a Christian to go to these places. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, what's interesting. The the lack of discipline for sin is an affirmation of that sin. Mm -hmm. The 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 inaction, the 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 sin of omission, the the sins yeah. of uh, of not doing what you know is is righteous, and as as God's people, we are supposed to do uh, by not acting upon that for fear that they might they might not ever they might not ever come back to church. Well, they went out from us because they were never of us. There's, it's not us. We don't bear the responsibility. We do not bear the burden of salvation, but we do bear the burden of staying true to the Word of God. And that's what he's talking about in Revelation. Is we we will come under attack. We will come under persecution in our righteousness, in our faith. There will be persecution there, as Satan is testing us, as it said, to 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 get us to waver, to falter. And then Jesus says, "The one who endures is the one who overcomes the second death." Mm -hmm. And it's in that that we find eternity in heaven, uh, bearing the 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 promise. Uh, to, to share in that messianic kingdom a share in the kingdom is the one who overcomes and like it breaks my heart because I I was in that world for so long and then and but by the grace of God he he delivered me from that he gave me an understanding to in a spiritual understanding of the word he uh, See, that that salvation, that that spirit, 
to come alongside and to instruct me in the way of the Lord, to bring to remembrance uh, the words of Christ, to teach me through the word. Um, and I have loved ones. I have family that are in that, that movement that I know that there could so easily be, you know, in that, that, that Lord, Lord, didn't mm-hmm. we do all these things? Yeah. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do all these great, amazing things? We we ministered. I was faithful. I went to church. I I I, I sat in the library. I I I led Bible studies. And Jesus is going to look at them, people who I I hold dear to my heart. And say, depart from me. I never knew you. And can I live with myself, being privy to the ones? Who 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 spoon fed this milk, this watered down this 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 fake, this false gospel? I can't, I couldn't. And so, what what does that mean? Here in Matthew ten, that I will be against my father, I will be against my mother, I will be against because of what Christ is and who He is. Mm-hmm. He has equipped me with a sword that will divide. That will cut flesh. Mm-hmm. That will pierce. And that's why this is this this stuff is so important to get right. Because I it, it does no one any good to have some false hope, some false sense of security. Just no good. Because at the end of the day they will still burn in hell for eternity. Bearing the full weight of the wrath of God for their sins. And that is the that that's our motivation, and that's what that was that first awakening. You know, that was Jonathan Edwards' motivation. It's like, do you not know the grace afforded to you that God lets you yet breathe while blaspheming His name? This is Creator God of the mm-hmm. universe, who His very nature holds your atoms together. Like, like, who are we? Mm-hmm. Who do we think we are? And that's why we should evaluate whether or not the words actually being preached whenever we go, wherever we go. Um, and we should evaluate what are we doing with the word of God? How are we responding to the gospel? And are we actually investigating the truth of God so that we could better align to him as we put our faith in him? Um, anything short of that, and we're really begging for poor results or no results in our Christian life. Or in our so-called Christian life, if we're actually wondering whether or not we are Christians. So a lot of self-evaluation and testing, discerning. You're allowed to test. The uh, Bible even says, you know, uh, don't believe every spirit. That doesn't mean like don't believe every ghastly little thing floating around you. Like every every intention of man, don't believe every single person that walks around with their, their own mind and they're saying something. Just test it. Test it against the word of God. Test the preacher, test the pastor, the ministers, test everyone. Uh, that doesn't mean sit there and say, I don't believe you yet. But in your heart and mind, if something does not line up to what you already know about scripture, what you should be studying in it, there's a reason to question it. So if things are happening around like revivals, if things are sermons, uh, awakenings, anything like that is taking place, just test what is being taught, what is happening, and uh, line yourself up appropriately. This got intense real quick. <laughs> it should. Sorry. Right. Oh, man. Um, I guess we'll see what happens with this uh, 
the fruit of the survival. I don't know if the other ones at the other colleges are still going. I just know the Asbury one's closed down. Uh, if the other ones are still going, I guess we'll see what takes place in all of this. And hopefully, wonderful fruit with glory to God alone takes place. Um, it seems, though, like it could be very just kind of a flash an in the excitement. Band. Yeah, like an excitement going on. So I guess we'll see. But in the meantime, uh, I don't resist or reject the possibility or the likelihood of an actual awakening in the hearts and minds of God's people, an actual revival. Um, but remember, revival actually goes out. Yeah. Um, it really does. It doesn't just really bring everyone in one place. Uh, they might come for those gatherings, and then they really do go out. So uh, they go out and minister to all sorts of places, places that are being neglected or overlooked at this time. So let's pray for that, that revival does take place and leads Christians out of the little comfortable bubbles and out into the world uh, so that others would hear the actual proclamation and faithful exposition of the gospel so they can come to saving faith. That's the most important thing. So that's it. I guess I'll catch you next time. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be months on end. Yeah, right. All right. Well, uh, we'll get together again next time on the Milk and Meat Podcast. God bless you guys. Because I be worried about your soul Why you still be doubting you got a soul Like you need to see to believe these things But you believe things that you've never seen Like feelings and hopes and dreams The future emotions and gravity And sadly, everything you're rejecting Makes this whole life a tragedy And I got something to say, I got something to say I got something to say to the world And I got a place to make, I got steps to take I got